You are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you are interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of Us needs and appreciates all your support. I have a superpower for detecting when movies are based on books. <laughs> you can just always tell, man, books and plays that are not properly adjusted to movie format. You can just always tell. And this definitely qualifies as one, at least by my book. <laughs> that would be <laughs> Luckiest Girl Alive, which is based on the 2015, apparently, New York Times best-selling mystery novel, which is pretty cool, by Jessica Knoll, starring Mila Kunis, Finn Whitrock, and a whole bunch of other people. And here today to talk about it with me is TC. Hello. And Bradley. Hello. Uh, so this takes shades from a couple different things. Tiniest little splash of Gone Girl, tiniest little splash of American Psycho, if you stretch it. Oh, funny enough, Mila Kunis is in the sequel to American Psycho. Huh. Oh, for real? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know there was a sequel. I, yeah, I didn't either. It's not good. Not surprised. <laughs> anyway, yes, shades of American Psycho, <laughs> shades of Gone Girl, go on. Yeah, just in how like perfect she has everything set up and how everything is just exactly the way she wants it to be for appearance's sake and stuff. Like she's very meticulous about it, how she's building her better life because she just kind of comes from, you know, middle, working class, whatever, nothing. It's, it's just something you've seen before, mm-hmm. for sure. Shades of Devil Wears Prada in there, I suppose. A little sprinkling of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that too. I mean, and that honestly is what maybe you want to sign on for because I watched the trailer and yeah it it very much gave me hints of devil wears prada not so much in that it's about fashion or anything like that but that new york setting and a female career oriented protagonist and stuff and i was like oh yeah this this is this is made for me mm-hmm. what do you guys think about it I also have book detection because <laughs> there is something in the art of adaptation when you take a book and it's it just sounds like they're lifting it straight from the page mm-hmm. of the novel. And there are portions of this with narration that Mila Kunis has given us that it's, it sounds like she's just reading a page from the book. So, yeah, no surprise to me either when I saw, oh, yeah, adapted. It is adapted by the author. The author also wrote the screenplay. So there's someone writing this that understands it in its every letter and detail. And every time that's the case, this is the result. Like, yeah, it's perfectly fine to have the author of a story that's being adapted give some input to the script, because who knows the story better than them, but when Mm -hmm. it's just them writing it again, you just kind of get that same book format again, and that doesn't really always work for a movie. Mm -hmm. Well, I liked the narration bits, because they did sound a lot, you know, novelish. Yeah. But the way Mila Kunis read them, I subscribe to Audible, <laughs> so if Mila is listening, or if anyone at Audible is listening, could you contact her? Because she has an amazing narration voice, and I'd yes. like to hear that yes. again. Yeah. Also, if Mila Kunis is listening, hey. Hey. 
Hey, how are you? She's really quite good in this. She is. Her and Aurelia, the girl playing the younger version of herself. Mm -hmm. Because while this is career-oriented woman in the big city trying to make it and, and fake it until she makes it, there's a second layer to this that I was not aware of when sitting down. She is the survivor of a school shooting, the... Uh, fictionally, the most violent private school shooting in American history. She's a survivor of that, and she is still suffering the trauma of that. And little by little, we get pieces of her youth, of her time in high school leading up to those moments, and how that's affecting her current engagements to this very fancy rich fella and the career she's pursuing. And so those two things juxtapose. Did not know, because once I flipped on the trailer for this, saw it was Mila Kunis, kind of got a sense of the tone. I was like, that's all I need to know. I'm in. Mm -hmm, thanks. Yeah. And apparently in the book, that, that aspect of the school shooting does come as a complete surprise. Like you, they build up from her childhood and entry into the school and whatnot, and then, yeah, bam, they hit you with it. And in the mm -hmm. movie, that probably wouldn't have worked so much for the formatting, so they did just give that away right up front, which... Worked for me, at least. Yeah, it was an interesting twist I didn't see coming. And maybe it's in the trailer. I wouldn't know because, as I said, I only watched enough to know she was in this. And I'm like, yes, please. Mm. It juxtaposes <laughs> interestingly throughout this. And as the movie progresses, Bradley, you joked about not being able to joke because this gets so serious. Yeah. The subject matter of this gets heavy because it's not just dealing with a school shooting. There's assault involved here. There's a history of violence that this girl, now woman, has experienced that now she's trying to somehow live her life despite of. And it, it made for a much more complex and, and darker, dramatic movie than I, than I was expecting. Yeah, there, she's not only a survivor of this school shooting, but also, unfortunately, of a sexual assault uh, that is filmed pretty harrowingly. And so if that yeah. is yeah. Uh, triggering to anyone, I absolutely would say skip this movie. Just don't. It's, it's uh, pretty graphic. Mm-hmm. There should be a warning at the front end of this. Uh, this yeah, and there, um, I was reading an article just earlier today, a couple of them actually, that are all about the same subject as, yeah, people are calling for them to put a content warning in front of this because of that, and I can't disagree. It's strange to me that this in this day and age where there's very clear reaction to very heavy subject matter, that networks would not have the wherewithal to go, hey, just a heads up, mm -hmm. like Obi-Wan didn't do it. Like, we were days <laughs> right? after a school shooting, and the Obi-Wan episode opens with the goddamn school shooting. And it's, it's, I was horrified to, yeah. to experience that in that moment. It's like, even just the content warning up front have, and they did sense add it there. Uh, so to, to not give that little bit of heads up here, I felt was a little insensitive. Mm -hmm. uh, because, yeah, the, the flashback, the, that sequence leading up to that and, and how it's filmed and it's, it's and the aftermath of it, it's rough. Yeah, like it's, it's I don't even know how to say this, like it's well portrayed for what it is. I mean, it comes off every ounce as horrifying as it should. It's mm -hmm. very well acted and shot and everything. But to that end, it is also very realistic. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, they, they really ought to just pop a content warning in front of it. it. It won't detract from the movie at all. That realism helps in this film, though, because in as you're learning about her and you see that she's crazy, there's those American psychoisms, <laughs> you're wondering, like, why is she like this? And we get the understanding of the school shooting pretty early on in the movie, so it's not like 
a left turn halfway through. Yeah. Uh, but the more information we get, the more it explains why she's the way she is earlier in the film. It's it's strange because I don't think this is all spoilery per se. I actually think this is the content warning that people need to hear if they're going to try yeah. to experience yeah. a film like this. Yeah. Yeah, really, it's actually a very healthy way for her to process her trauma in a safe setting, you know, her own mind, when mm -hmm. she thinks about, say, stabbing a waiter or <laughs> choking her husband. Yeah. I'm sorry, her fiancé, <laughs> six weeks in. Mm -hmm. Now, I did like how they time-stamped this. I believe she says early on, like, 2015 or something. Yes. Yeah. Those lines yeah, right. beautiful First lines. line in the movie, yeah, it says. And then later in the film, she just says something that I thought was kind of interesting, but maybe I'm overthinking it. She's like, no one would ever insult a guy in a wheelchair. And I'm like, well. <laughs> About that. <laughs> just, just give it two years, and yes, they would. That, that was something so. else that kind of threw me. Is Yeah, I know the book came out and was ostensibly set in 2015 and they really leaned into that for yeah. this movie and outside of a few moments like that where it's like oh uh, yeah thanks for the reminder about you know what's <laughs> coming or what's passed to us now mm -hmm. it didn't seem to matter all that much that it was set in 2015 sure no, no. like they called no. attention to it far too many times for it to not matter Mm -hmm. Oh, you're going to work on the Hillary campaign? You're going to work on the Bloomberg campaign? Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, you, you see a Hillary for America poster real big as they're entering the subway point, and it's just like, oh, I don't. Mm. Well, her teacher quotes her essay saying, This is how you write. But the quote he gives, I'm like, wait a second. Holden Caulfield, unreliable narrator. What state is this in 2015? Yeah. That's on a banned <laughs> reading list. The exploration of her as a woman, a girl of survival, I think is handled really well. Mm. What I don't think is handled quite well is the school shooting. Mm. I'm trying to think the best way to word this. There's a risk here that it's almost forgiving what happened. And it's because of the information we get of the characters of her past and what leads up to the event in question. There's a risk that this is coming off sympathetic towards the yeah. perpetrators, if you will. It walks that line pretty well because she's our POV character through a thousand percent of this, <laughs> that there's never any question of whose perspective we are witnessing mm -hmm. the events of this film through. And thank God the director was smart enough to never give us the perspective of anyone else because that situation as it unfolds and, and what occurs afterwards, there was a little, I was a little fearful that we were in territory of like, good. And that's, that's a dangerous yeah. place to go considering the gravity oh, absolutely. of this event. Yeah. And I, I almost wish they had made it as much of a surprise as it was in the book, apparently, because that... I don't know, maybe that would have made that element of it come off less, like that, that mm -hmm. unintentional element of sympathy. Yeah, it's it's just a, one little thing that, that sort of was like tickling the back of my thoughts. Mm -hmm. But uh, but really, the, the exploration of her as a character is so well done here. And and of female victimhood. And Rose, obviously, I'm not trying to no, <laughs> take no, no, over. No, for the, it. You should have much more to say about <laughs> this than I would. But my, my observation of it is very telling of how we as a society deal with this sort of thing. It was much w worse to people that this girl was raped, that this girl was assaulted, that this was all the sexual. Like her fiancé doesn't have any problem 
with her writing blowjob articles. She's written 21,000 articles about dicks and <laughs> sex and the gratification of men because the pleasure of men is the most important thing. But this, as soon as she wants to talk about what happened to her, oh, oh come on, we don't. Oh, <laughs> we don't. Uh, and, and that, I feel, is one of the most telling things about how people react to this conversation, to these types of discussions. Yeah, I mean, I definitely resonated with her in a lot of ways. Thankfully, I don't share kind of the same background experience as she does, but the same background in terms of just middle class and trying to, yeah, be career oriented and working my way up into something better than what I had and all that. So I was vibing with this character quite a bit. So I, I definitely got what they were trying to do, and I thought they pulled it off very well. Hmm. You know, it's pretty awful and this is why i wish there was a trigger warning and this gets into what both of you are kind of saying i was watching this with my oldest daughter and she kind of says while they're trying on wedding dresses and dina played by connie Britton, makes an off the cuff comment that is very rude and kind of sexist and i'm like wow she's mean and then my daughter says she should not be saying those mean things about her daughter she's a bad mom and i thought no, <laughs> no that's not her mom a mom wouldn't talk that way about her kid. And oh. then it's revealed, yes, yes, Dina is her mom. And I'm like, wow, I am just misreading all these characters. <laughs> and as, as the film progresses, uh, Lolo, her uh, editor, I believe, is the term, mm -hmm. played by Jennifer Beals, that's like her only friend. And that really bummed me out. Like mm -hmm. her only genuine, I'll give you the positive, I'll give you the negative, I'll give you my time. We're friends, but I'm also your boss. And that really upset me. Like her hubby, Luke, has his moments, played by Finn Wittrock. But more often than not, he just comes across as an entitled ass. And I'm not sure where the movie's going with this. Like, why does yeah. everyone just somebody please give this woman a break and see yeah. her, you know? And I don't know if that's a flaw or if that's the point, but it made me feel kind of icky before the horrible ick started. <laughs> so yeah. it was definitely a <laughs> rough well, watch. I had to be like, leave now, get... Get out now. And I like shut the TV off uh, immediately at dad. one part. Because, you know, that uh, I don't even mm -hmm. like watching a scene like that. And yeah. kudos to these actors for actually putting themselves in a situation. And rather than Game of thrones -ing it, going, oh, well, it's not really rape. Like those psychopaths. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. We don't have to talk about that old issue again. I'm glad that they... Uh, are definitely responding to it with yes it's gross and disgusting yes you got it you understood the scene yeah. mm -hmm. so that's a good thing Whew. well the the thing with their mom at the uh dress shop didn't really strike me as all that big because i was sitting there watching and going oh hey look it's my mom uh. <laughs> <laughs> that was so so rude oh i know Ugh, even but... with her what are you what are you doing she's getting married this is a happy time cheer up mom cheer up i feel like i should have been at one of the employees they're like mom Fuck up. Come on. We're picking out a great dress. The employee of the dress shop did get her very subtle yeah. you know, middle finger to mom. Yeah. <laughs> that part was great. And I'm sure every wedding dress shop has to have those moments every once in a while dealing with the terrible mothers of the bride. Momzilla. <laughs> I do think late in the game, since the, uh, well, we've gone out and said there's a shooting in this. 
I think Mila is the only one who sells it as this is all 100% entirely wrong. But before it comes to that moment, it's like, are we supposed to see this as some kind of street justice? Because it's grossing me out. Yeah. Like you yeah said that's, that was sort of the point I was going to as well, where it's like, oh, boy. Yeah. It has a lot of problems, not only with balancing the pacing, but yeah, what they want you to feel about certain people, it kind of changes at times. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a little hard to keep up with. And I do wonder if that comes from adapting book to screen by the same writer. I, I I say this a lot. There's a reason there's an Oscar for best adapted screenplay. Yes. Because yeah. there is such a difficulty in going from the text to the screen and translating it to cinema. And, and I haven't looked. I, I suppose I should have done the research before making such a comment. I don't know if this author has a lot of experience in writing screenplays. And my wager would be if she's done it before only once or twice, because mm-hmm. there is there, those missing nuances that come from a script that is then presented on the screen that a director can find, an actor can find. But if it's on the page, it's easier to to negotiate through a, a story and through themes and through character motifs and whatnot. So yeah. it's it's not it's not a bad script. It's not a no. bad movie. No. Uh, it's it's just those little weaknesses that prevent it from being a truly great movie especially if given the subject matter yeah and and to that end i mean that that editing from page to screen definitely would have helped in the seven or eight endings this movie has (laughs) Uh, i mean it puts return of the king to to shame there was at one point where we were on ending like 6.0 or something and i was like come on come on let this be the end and it transitioned transitioned to another one and i actually laughed out loud i was like oh come on (laughs) (laughs) and after that there were two more i'm not kidding so yeah, it's it's got about six different endings, I guess, just because oh we we didn't really cut enough out, so we've got to wrap all of it up, and it <laughs> it gets gets a little goofy towards the end, just in yeah. terms of the editing and the pacing. Well, since we're moving ourselves into the ending here, I'd be happy mm-hmm. to throw my final thoughts in. <laughs> Go for it. So the goal of this movie is to discuss the importance of all of us being able to speak freely, women specifically, but all of us even if people want to silence those trying to speak. So we can become the kind of people our younger selves would admire, as the movie tells us. Mm-hmm. As difficult as discussing rape and survival can be, I really do hope that people feel more and more able to share their experiences mm-hmm. so that we all know that we're never alone. This movie is one of many I've seen recently that are putting a voice to people to to allow them the ability to speak up. I think Mila Kunis and Kiara Aurelia, who plays her younger self, are quite captivating the roles. They she, Mila Kunis is doing a really, really fine job here. Yeah. The movements and the feel of this film is done well, bouncing back and forth with no transition, no obvious transition, and sometimes overlapping the time periods, because that's how memory works. We lose ourselves in the moment wherever we are uh, if you've experienced trauma you know that trauma will haunt you in your waking life like a nightmare and so i, I appreciate that as, as well but there is a book club feel to this there's a a risk of of over dramatization it never verges into melodrama but it doesn't fully avoid r- the risk of being trashy because there's almost an excuse for the school shooters and that that's the mm. one thing that i really bumped up against the assault portion is very respectfully told, though, and I would bet 
the book is far more complex and moving than this movie is able to be. So mm. certainly be aware that this is got some really intense subject matter and, and it really should come with a trigger warning. So con consider our review here, the content warning for victims of rape and assault. Yes. And these are important stories to tell. And I hope that this movie proves successful enough to bring us more survival stories. So with that, I'm going to give the luckiest girl alive a seven out of 10. Um, those champagne glasses have to stay in here. <laughs> Very good. Well, for me, if I may butt in, yeah, this was just, blah, I'm all frazzled just from the subject matter. Uh, Connie Britton, as I said, is uh, in this film, and she was also in Promising Young Woman, and that one was too much. I can't emotionally handle this, but also made my top three of that year. So, yes, I can, and these are absolutely important stories. And I really love what uh, a lot of the narration is just solid. So I might actually read her second novel. I think it's called The Favorite Sister by Jessica Knoll, just to see uh, what kind of a writer she is. Mm -hmm. As you said, adaptations, this is nowhere near the worst adaptation I've seen. And I haven't read this book. But um, anything Stephen King tries to adapt on his own, just awful. Absolutely <laughs> dreadful. So as you said, TC, of course it must be just like a different craft, a different uh, type of skill, because he's allegedly the greatest horror novel of all time. Not so good with the movies. You know, Maximum Overdrive is a cinematic masterpiece. <laughs> I, I mean, af after all, the, the co-director of that was Cocaine. Yes, yes. <laughs> So not much to say. It I like that the shocking, horrible imagery is shocking and horrible. I don't think, think there's anything male gaze about it. Shara mm -hmm. Arelli, uh, incredible trauma acting. It's 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 you know it, it's taken me of all people my voice away. So mm -hmm. I can't imagine <laughs> what that kind of trauma is like. And I am glad that there are things like this exist. This media that exists, so people can at least find other people who've had not these just these experiences but have voices to share in a nice safe mm -hmm. positive way um, like one of uh, another netflix series one of the characters in dear white people says tell your story so somebody else doesn't or, you know mm -hmm. it's your story it belongs to you tell your story before somebody else does and that was pretty powerful for me mm -hmm. dear white people is a great show on netflix as well so i'm yeah, going to end this rant and say I'm going to give this one a 6.5 unhappy chance meetings with people you don't hate but went through the same trauma you did and who needs that reminder. <laughs> Such great acting in that scene by Mila. Mm -hmm. uh, out of 10. <laughs> oh, hard to top that. <laughs> yeah, it was a adequate movie. It, it did a lot of things right, but the yeah the book pacing of it uh, definitely threw me for a loop a couple times. It's definitely not a movie for everybody, but if you think that this is something that really resonates with you and you can handle the content within it, uh, definitely give it a watch. It's it's a pretty good movie. I would have to give it seven carefully curated life status symbols out of ten. <laughs> Nice. All right. Well, I, I wrote down a whole bunch of jokes I couldn't use. Bradley, <laughs> any any uh, come to mind for you? Well, I am an avid reader, but there is one thing I struggle with. Mm. Irony. Is mm. this title ironic? What would Alanis Morissette say? 